The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... But it was the shock that I needed to change because that was what kind of made me think, oh my gosh, like if I don't sort myself out, I'm not going to be... Like, I'm, I'm going to lose my sight. That was what I thought initially when I was when I got that letter. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. Hope you're all good. Hope you're having a good day, good week, and you're all set for whatever you're doing today or tomorrow. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to address something straight away because I always like to be very honest on this podcast and... I'm making it sound like a really big deal, but it's not a big deal at all. Basically, I woke up a lot higher today, blood sugar-wise, than I'm used to, and I feel as if my head is about to explode. It's obviously not. I feel as if my eyes are puffy. My voice sounds different for some some reason, too. Maybe I'm also coming down with a cold or a flu. I don't know. But basically, what happened was I went... I was kind of getting ready to go to bed last night or getting ready for bed last night and had a super busy day. I was really, really tired. I'd been in the sun as well. I was working out in the sun in Florida. So I was just wrecked. I didn't eat as much as I was used to. So later in the day, closer to bed, I was starving. So I said, you know what? I usually have a cut off time for food so I can sleep stable throughout the night. But I said, you know what? I'm absolutely starving. I have to eat something. But instead of just having having something small, I had two protein bars and four like tuna quesadilla things. And it was absolutely amazing. But when I have a big meal like that, I always do a split bolus so I can counteract that delayed spike from the fat. But basically what happened was I fell asleep before I could give myself that second bolus for the fat. So my Dexcom nighttime alarm was also, also turned off. So I slept through the night 
much higher than I like. Woke up today feeling like a bus or feeling like feeling like a bus, feeling like I was hit by a bus. But thought I'd let you guys know because I always like to be honest on the podcast and outline the fact that nobody has perfect blood sugar all the time. And these things happen. These things occur from time to time. But when they do look at, right, what could I have done differently? What could I have changed? Or could I have have avoided something? And for me, avoiding falling asleep before my second dose of insulin certainly would have helped. But anyway, I digress. I hope you're all good. Hope you're all set for another phenomenal episode and phenomenal guest. And who I was chatting with today and who we have here speaking to us today is Vanessa Haydock. Vanessa is a type 1 diabetic from England and the UK. She is a personal trainer, a nutrition advisor, a life coach, a board certified behavioral analyst. And Vanessa was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of three. And as you'll see throughout the episode, admittedly, she wasn't always taking care of herself as well as she does now. And Vanessa struggled throughout her teenage years, like so many of us do, and later received a letter at the age of 18 outlining the fact that she had developed retinopathy. For Vanessa, this was the turning point for her. And almost overnight, she completely shifted her mindset and approach towards her diabetes management. She now speaks to thousands of people through her social media channels, and she sees her work within the diabetic world as her vocation in life. So it's amazing to hear somebody who struggled for a number of years turn the screw completely and has built her business and sees this now as her vocation. So without wasting any more of your time, enjoy the episode and I'll chat to you soon. So look, as I said to you, Vanessa, I know we've kind of been going back and forth on social media for probably a couple of years now, to be honest. So it's good to finally have a a proper conversation with you and pick your brain about your fitness, your diabetes management, and obviously the wealth of knowledge that you have and consistently share throughout social media. But I know what we had briefly been talking about on Instagram, even just this morning before this episode about your trip to Miami, because I am in Miami right now. So yeah. I'm curious to know how that trip went for you. <laughs> it well, to to put it bluntly, it was literally the best week of my life. <laughs> no, it was no, it was it was really really good. It was basically I turned thirty in uh, in March. Happy birthday! And what better way to celebrate your thirtieth than a trip to Miami? So me and my friends literally just last minute thought. Shall we go to Miami? So we booked our ticket and yeah, off we went. We went to um, a music festival called Ultra Music Festival and it kind of like fell in line as well with spring break and uh, Miami Music Week. So it was just such an amazing week. Um, I mean, I don't know if you you, you can tell from my uh, my Instagram page, but I love to kind of get out there and socialise. I'm very kind of like young at heart. So going to Miami with my friend, it was literally one of the best holidays I think I've been on. But of course, diabetes came with me. Um, that's never gonna go, never gonna go away. Um, and I was quite open and honest about it on my um, Instagram page. I mean, I did 
I did kind of like um, have a couple of days that were a lot more higher, let's say. Um, to be fair, for the first couple of days, I was actually okay. I think because I was kind of like still in a rhythm with things. And even though there's the time difference, I was I was kind of like still on the ball with it. But the, the one thing that I found that made it harder was obviously like the food choices over there are a little bit different but I was also struggling sometimes with the heat and my insulin even though I had a cool pack I did feel sometimes that it was still getting a little bit warm but obviously luckily back in the hotel I still had insulin that was in the fridge um but yeah it's it's one of those where where the girl uh, one of well, one of my best friends who I went with um, she's a personal trainer like myself. So we were still very much kind of, you know, into our healthy habits over there. So we'd, we'd always get up early. We'd go on train in the morning. Uh, we'd make sure to hit our steps each day. Um, don't get me wrong, we let our hair down with food and with, um, you know, having a drink at night. But we were we were still quite aware of what we were doing and we weren't going overboard. You know, we were in bed by... 12 o'clock at night latest um so it wasn't like your typical girls holiday um but yeah it it was one of those where I think just the change in the slight change in routine change in food choices I still made sure that I kept my food choices relatively healthy but I think as you'll know over in America the portion size is a little bit a little bit more than what we have over in um the UK um how are you finding that with food over there with regards to portion sizes and how everything's cut to you yeah that's an, an interesting one I'm glad you pointed it out because you could order something in Ireland or the UK and you almost know the type of size of meal that you'll get. Whereas over here, you could order, like I, I went to give an example. I went out to a breakfast place there last week and I ordered like this veggie omelet. Mm. And I was thinking, I'll relate it to the type of omelet that I have in Ireland. So not massive, pretty manageable to say the least. Whereas yeah. When it arrived, it was bigger than my head. <laughs> now, I wasn't complaining because I, I love eating big oh, meals no, and yeah. I love my food. I've seen, I've seen that. Um, is it the omelette or the scrambled eggs with like 12 eggs or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, people laugh at me all the time because they're like, Vanessa, how many egg whites do you have a day? And I'm, I have so many, it's like ridiculous. I, I literally love egg whites. Um, but when you posted that about the one that you, was it, what do you call it? The 12? So I call, I call it a 12 or and it's basically right. two whole eggs and yeah. 10 egg whites. 10 egg whites, yeah. yeah. I, I literally have something similar to that. And people look at me like, what? Yeah. <laughs> easy on the blood sugar. It's easy on the blood. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah, using the omelette as an example. So every morning we would go to a breakfast place and, um, I'd always get an omelette just because I absolutely love eggs. And it's, it's funny cause like if, all my, if, if you know me, you'll know that I'm obsessed with eggs. And what's even funnier is that when it's my birthday or anything like that, my friends always get me a packet of eggs. Just, <laughs> just, just like a bit of a joke. Flash the cash. Yeah, that's it. And um, anyway, when I got, I ordered an omelette from this breakfast place, and it came out. The omelette came out. Don't get me wrong; it was it was huge, 
But then I also had half my plate full of wedges that I didn't even know came with it. Mm. But apparently they call them like breakfast potatoes or something. I don't know if you've come across that. But anyway, so I wasn't expecting that. And then they brought out like six pieces of toast, complimentary. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, just like, top I it off. not have any of this. <laughs> like, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was harder, I must admit. And I think, as you know anyway, with having diabetes, We'll be eating out, and you know, for us, we need to pre-bolus. Um, obviously, depending on what insulin we use, and um, but I usually have to pre-bolus a good, you know, like ten minutes beforehand, especially if I'm having carbohydrates. Some sometimes even lo- even longer. Um, but obviously, when we're eating out, we don't know when things are going to come out. So I don't want to be having my insulin and then the food still not be with us half an hour later. So I also found that my pre-bolusing time kind of went out the window a little bit and that caused me to spike a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's one thing I always struggle with when eating out. But obviously with with being away, we were eating out all the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that element was a little bit trickier. And then obviously we were, that when I'm at home, I know when I'm going to go for a walk. I know roughly kind of like how my glucose levels are going to react to the walk that I usually do each day. Whereas with being away and out of routine, we were kind of walking some days more than others. So it was, it was kind of hard to kind of gauge how my glucose levels were going to respond. Cause I, I don't know if you, um, you're the same, but I thrive a lot off routine. Now, not all the time. Like, I don't have the same routine every single day, but I try and, I try and see it as kind of like a template, like having the template to my day. So with regards to kind of like meal timings and the time I'll exercise and the times that I go for my walks, I can kind of like factor those into my day and I know roughly like how my glucose levels are going to respond. Does that Mm. make sense? 100%. And I love the way you put it as a template to your day because it makes perfect sense. Yeah, so it's not like I do the exact same thing every day, but I've got a template to my day where I'll do a walk at a certain time because I know how my glucose levels going to respond and then same with exercise that like if i if i train first thing in the morning fasted i always spike just because i suffer from the dawn phenomenon quite bad so it's kind of one of those where i'd prefer to just have my breakfast first and then train later on in the day because that's kind of when i'm a little bit more sensitive to my insulin as well i don't mm. know if you find that with regards to like your ratios changing through yeah i'm i'm exactly the same so I will, I've actually kind of been going through a period of it now where I'm getting foot to floor. So mm-hmm. basically I'm waking up in range. Yeah. And then when I start my day, I start to spike. So oh, very yeah. similar to Dawn phenomenon, but obviously just different timing. Yeah. But what I always say is, and I, I love the way you put it as a template. Yeah. It's like diabetes loves routine and it's easier to predict what's going to happen when you have a pretty steady routine. Now, you don't have to fully rely on your routine, but it certainly helps. Absolutely. So when you were talking there, Vanessa, about how, you know, the portion sizes are so different and you kind of get unexpected additions to your meals, like your wedges or your toast or whatever it is. And of course, that brings its own complication in terms of, how much insulin do I need to take? Can I pre-bolus? Do I have time to pre-bolus? All of these things that we need to consider when we're away and eating out. But 
see when you kind of mentally prepare for an omelet and it comes out with wedges and toast that you didn't expect do you still eat that or do you avoid it or how do you approach it when yeah i mean it's one of those where i'll probably not eat it all just because i don't think i could physically eat, eat all of the food <laughs> on my plate um but i will have some because i just think well you know what i'm on holiday and it looks good and you know i don't I, at the end of the day i'm going to be walking anyway but i've just try i try and kind of factor in like where i think okay I'm going to make sure that I try and get an idea roughly of how much insulin I need because the thing is we're going off – we're only able to re- really work out how much insulin we need going off looking at what we're having. And I think that's quite hard because, I mean, this is where Carbs and Cows, you know, the app and the book that you get mm. where you can, like, look at pictures of – guess roughly how how many carbohydrates because obviously when, when we're eating out when we're away on holiday we don't have weighing scales with us and i wouldn't expect anyone to do that <laughs> absolutely not but it does make it tricky to kind of guess um so it, it was more of a guess really and you know when we're away on holiday it is more it is a guess um unless obviously i was to turn around and be like nope i'm not gonna i'm not having any of those which i could have easily done but at the end of the day i'm paying for the meal as well i might, I might as well have some of it and and the thing is as long as I know roughly how much insulin I need for it and just going off like rather than having the whole of the wedges for example I'll just have a handful just because I know from having them at home roughly how much I'd need it's just more of a guessing game isn't it and I think Mm. I think it's hardest to sometimes when you're with you don't want to kind of turn things away either I don't know if you find that you know when you if if you're leaving loads of stuff on your plate I don't want to. I don't want it to look like I'm. I, I don't like it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're too polite. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, but I, I, I couldn't have eaten all that. But yeah, I'll have a little bit. And sometimes, I mean, the thing is, sometimes with the way that I train as well and the lifting that I do, I get hungry. So I do need those carbohydrates for the kind of training that I, that I have. The only thing is, when I'm at home, I'm quite. I'm a lot more um, rigid in terms of I know exactly how many carbohydrates I'm going to have and then which insulin I need for it. So that's one thing I always find whenever I have things like rice, potatoes or porridge oats, for example, I always know exactly how much I'm going to have because then I know how much insulin I need. Like I never just have a plate full of like a random portion of potatoes or rice. I'd rather weigh it out and know exactly how much I'm having so that I know exactly how much insulin I need. Because I always find that when guessing with diabetes, it's so much harder. Do you find that as well? 100%. Yeah. The difference that precision and clarity around your meals gives you. Yeah. It's just, it just makes it so much easier because yes, to a certain extent, some of it can be a guessing game. Like when you go out for dinner or you're eating at a friend's house or you're going to a barbecue or whatever it is there's no way of knowing exactly what is in the food you're eating and there's no way of knowing exactly how much insulin you need as a result. Yeah. But, and that that's where the guessing comes in. But I always think that if and when you have the ability to track and monitor accurately what you're eating, like if you're at home and you can use a food scale, definitely use it. Oh, yeah. Because, that, because, the reality of it is the food that you're eating at that time 
is going to have an impact on your blood sugar. So it's it's in your best interest to know how much insulin you need to take for that. Yeah. And absolutely. that's why I think even the experience that you've had, Vanessa, around consistently tracking your food, you know, using my fitness pal or carbs and cals or weighing out your food, whatever it is, the time that you've done that will serve you well for when you are guessing. Because yeah. You'll have a good idea of, well, I'm eating wedges here or I'm eating potatoes or rice here. That's a similar enough portion size to what I had when I took four units or yeah. five units. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it gives you the ability to guess more accurately, essentially. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. See, when you said, Vanessa, that you kind of decided last minute to go to Miami and it was sounds as if it was kind of like spur of the moment to a certain extent. How did you prepare in advance for that? Because as we both know, so much of, of our management, particularly when we go away, will come down to kind of preparation in advance. So what specifically did you do to prepare for that trip? So, um, as you know, it's kind of like, it's not, it's not just your typical hour flight to France or Spain. It's literally halfway across the world. <laughs> so I was thinking, <laughs> right, okay, so I need to make sure that I'm a little bit more prepared than usual because I just, I had it in my head like, oh, my gosh, imagine if, like, we get stranded and my insulin overheats and this and that. So anyway, I just always make sure that I've got extra boxes of insulin pens, which I take with me. I put one in my um, luggage, and I also put one in my hand luggage as well, just in case. Um and just making sure that I had everything that I needed in terms of extra needles, um, extra free saliva sensors as well. That was also a big thing because I know that on holiday in the past, if it's been like really hot, um, you know, if one's fallen off, I've just got to make sure I've got a spare one. Um, to be honest, just making sure I had spares of everything. Um as I mentioned, I did find that my insulin did overheat quite easily. So just making sure that I always had something um, some extra pens just in case that did happen um and I don't know if you ever do this but like <laughs> I always stuff um my suitcase with cereal bars not that I have a lot of cereal bars but I just knowing that I've got cereal bars in case I need them <laughs> you know if I kind of anything <laughs> happened and we got stranded I know I've got cereal bars not that I eat cereal bars all the time, but I think as someone with diabetes, you just kind of think, well, at least if my bloods do drop. I've of course. Got you need to always always be prepared for the worst. And that's, that's like, it. and as you say, if you're going across the other side of the world, you want to make sure that if anything happened, you've plenty of food and, and snacks essentially to keep you up and avoid massive hypos, which is always important. Yeah, absolutely. What is your attitude to your diabetes when you're traveling, Vanessa? Like, do you always try to stay on top of it as you normally would? Or is a part of you like, ah, I'm on holidays, whatever? I see, I always try and I, I try not to come out of that mindset where I'm trying my best to control it. Because I find that if I do kind of think, ah, I'm on holiday. It's it's very hard to kind of get for me to get back onto it because I I always feel sometimes I still got the kind of teenage Vanessa in me, 
in certain situations where it's like, for example, if I'm having a really bad day, sometimes that teenage me can come out and think, oh, right, I've got my alarm saying my glucose levels have gone high. I'm not going to check it because I know it's high. And that's kind of like the teenage me coming out. So I try and like override her. It's like referring to someone separate. <laughs> I try and like override it where it's like, no, I'm just going to keep keep checking, keep focus. There's, you know, the, even when away, obviously there's going to be things out of our control, but there's still so much that we can do to keep our glucose levels on track. Um, to be honest, like now, I'm, I, think I, I think I'm more on the ball when I'm away just because I know that my glucose levels are going to be a little bit more hit and miss. Um, so, yeah, it's and, and because I'm away from home as well, I don't want to be dropping or going too high. Um, it's more when it's kind of like out of out of my control, like, you know, with regards to the heat, um, insulin overheating, that kind of thing, that's what I find quite difficult. But it's bound to happen as well. And I think the, the important thing is to accept that, you know, it's it's not going to be 100% all the time. And at the end of the day, we're on holiday. We're probably going to want to have a cocktail or something mm. that we wouldn't usually have at home. And sometimes I've just got to embrace, well, you know what, as long as we're on the ball, you know, 95% of the time, this little 5% is not going to make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing to always remind yourself, you said it, you said it just now, and kind of hit the nail on the head of it's never going to be 100%. Yeah. And even when you're planning a trip or going away, when you can preempt the fact that things aren't going to be perfect, when they aren't perfect or when you see that big high or when you see that low or you're higher than you would like, it's easier to cope with then because you've already kind of expected it to happen because look, chances are when you're away, you're eating different food, you have a different routine, different schedule, probably drinking alcohol. So inevitably, there's going to be a different reaction than what you're used to with your blood sugar when you're in a consistent, steady routine. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, like routine, it really does help. But when we're aware, we're not in that routine. So it, it's kind of it's, it, it's expecting and understanding that it's probably not going to, our glucose levels are not going to, do what we want them to do. Well, not that they won't do what we want them to do, but there may be a couple of, um, you know, obstacles in the way. But yeah, it's just part and parcel of diabetes at the end of the day, isn't it? That's the daily struggle that we have to deal with. <laughs> How did you know, Vanessa, that your insulin had overheated? Oh, basically, you know, when it's just like water. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, already I'm having more than what I would usually, but I'm still being faced with vertical lines, like shooting up as if my inch, and that's with pre-bolusing as well. And I was like, something's not right here. Um, so anyway, I noticed that when I then changed my pen to one from the other, from the fridge, it, it works straight away. Because um, I have Fiasp as well, so it's quite quick at working. So would you notice any difference in terms of how the insulin looked at all or was it purely just down to the fact that your blood sugars were just spiking so much more yeah it was well, yeah it didn't look any different it was, it was just that they were just spiking so much more but i'm even uh, for low carb meals as well so yeah it was just it just didn't make sense with the amount of insulin that i was having and then 
the fact that my glucose levels were spiking up so high. But again, you know, it, it could have been as well that obviously, as you know, alcohol can have an impact a couple of days after as well. Um, you know, again, it could have been the heat. Apparently, sunburn. I didn't even know this, but apparently sunburn can impact um, our glucose levels as well because it's like yeah. stress on the body. Mm-hmm. Can drive um, you up big time. <laughs> What's that? It can drive you up big oh, time. Yeah, do you know? I didn't even know that, and then it made sense. I was like, oh my gosh, like th- that's probably what it is. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it did overheat because there was um, there was one day where it was really hot, and my actu- the actual like cool bag itself had overheated. Oh wow. <laughs> I know, yeah, it was... Uh... Defeats the purpose of having the cool bag. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm also not surprised, though, because I was only out for a walk one of the days last week. I was just on the phone talking to my cousin, and the phone, my phone basically stopped working because it overheated. <laughs> so I can only imagine what it's doing to insulin if it's yeah. out in the sun for too long. <laughs> so it's it. definitely not going to be working. Is it like? Is it really hot over in Miami now? Yeah, absolutely roasting. Yeah. But you're, you go out for a walk for 10 minutes and you feel as if you're going to pass out. Yeah. <laughs> particularly when, as I said to you earlier on, particularly when I'm coming from Ireland where we don't really get that weather where it's just incredibly hot all the time. Yeah. So you walk outside, it's like walking into a sauna. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But are you Are you finding that your glucose levels are dropping a little bit more in the heat pretty much yeah like i'll find i'm trending a lot lower as a result of the heat yeah. and i'm kind of just more active as in i'm getting a lot more steps in consistently because the weather is nice and yeah. obviously that in itself is playing a role too so it's a combination of more steps just consistent movement throughout the day yeah. and obviously it being much much hotter here which both can have a significant impact on blood sugars. Yeah, yeah. That's you it. said there, Vanessa, about teenage Vanessa yeah. coming back or coming through. What do you mean by that? So when I was a teenager, I was kind of the typical in denial, wanting to do whatever she wanted kind of tea. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing is back then, I mean, I'm 30 now, so I'm talking... 15 16 17 years ago um you know I didn't have a freestyle Libra sensor I didn't have the support from others with diabetes that I do now in terms of people to speak to I was basically you know I was, I was on my own with it really I didn't know anyone with diabetes um the only people that I really spoke to about my diabetes was my diabetes team at the time but to be honest, like it was one of those where every time I went, it was more going into what I could do better rather than what I was doing well at, which at the time probably wasn't much. Um, so it kind of led me to, I mean, as you know, when it comes to diabetes, from a kind of behavioural perspective, you've got to think that the when we get a high blood sugar, we don't feel 100%, it's not great, but it's it's more of the longer-term complications that we need to be thinking about. But there and then, we probably don't think about it. We just can't, I used to just think, oh, I'm a bit thirsty, but I'm okay, I can get on with it. So I'd, I'd be running high all the time, and I, I found it easier to ignore 
my like you know I, I didn't check consistently I was quite rebellious with it my mum would I mean like with any parent and teenager the more you're told to do something the more you don't do it like t- typical in denial teen um and yeah I just got, kind of got into really bad habits of not checking my glucose levels Um, I just wanted to be like my friends I'd you know eat and drink whatever I wanted to um I just completely kind of switched off from my diabetes and I don't know if obviously when I was younger because I was diagnosed quite young when I was in primary school I had a lot my mum and dad did a lot for me with regards to my diabetes so I didn't actually have to do that much because they were the ones who always did my insulin and weighed everything out you know that, that kind of thing as you as you do when you're a young child and then when I kind of hit high school it was kind of like I had to become independent all of a sudden but because it was so hard and I was constantly being faced with higher glucose levels I just find it easier to ignore it um now don't get me wrong I never missed my insulin I always made sure I had my insulin whenever I ate food but it was more of a guess where it was like well I'm eating so I must need insulin I didn't fully understand what what it was I was supposed to be doing and I just weren't, I never used to take on board things that my diabetes team would say to me, um, things like carbohydrate counting, I didn't have a clue, I was just, the, the way I looked at it, if I ate something, I needed insulin, so obviously my mum would try and, you know, get me to check my glucose levels a little bit more, and I'd just be like, no, I don't need to, I don't want to, I just want to try and switch off from it. And yeah, I just kind of like, I didn't really tell people. I was very um, just like quiet about it. I didn't really, kind of, it wasn't the first thing I'd tell people if I met someone new. Um, and then it was when I was 18, I got the letter um, basically saying that I had diabetes, uh, diabetic retinopathy uh, and maculopathy. Um, well, maculopathy is kind of like a, it's like a form of retinopathy, but it's in your central, it's in your macula. Um, and I always remember as soon as I got that letter, well, I literally cried my eyes out. I remember crying my eyes out. I was like, oh my gosh, like it was a bit of a shock, really. But it was the shock that I needed to change because that was what kind of made me think, oh my gosh, like if I don't sort myself out, I'm not going to be like I'm, I'm going to lose my sight that was what I thought initially when I was when I got that letter um because when I say my control was bad like it was it was bad like it was really really bad looking back so that's kind of like the shock that I needed to make that change because I needed to change my outlook and my behavior towards my diabetes um and that's kind of where, what led me into, you know, doing psychology at uni, doing, working um, in, like, behaviour change. Um, it led me to look at health and fit, you know, going down the health and fitness route. Um, I started to volunteer for Diabetes UK, volunteer for JDRF. Um, and I just kind of started to be a lot more present in the world of diabetes, if that makes sense um as I've said like meeting people and talking to others with diabetes because that's something that I didn't do when I was younger I didn't know anybody with diabetes and I just remember meeting a girl 
at uni for the first time I've also had type 1 diabetes and I was like oh my gosh like literally I've got so many questions to ask you and just hearing how she was so on the ball with the diabetes made me think I really really need to sort myself out because <laughs> what you're saying you do I do not do so yeah that kind of just yeah and everything just kind of snowballed in the right direction then really and um, but it was that it was it was that diagnosis of retinopathy that kind of made me think yeah I need to I need to sort myself out but it's, it's hard when you're a teenager it's hard hard work because as you know it's um when, when were you diagnosed see I was diagnosed when I was 19 right. and what I always say is I kind of feel lucky because I pretty much skipped the teen years mm. so I wasn't you know 13 14 15 16 those kind of rebellious years typically throughout your teen years I skipped them yeah so I feel as if when I was 19 and when I was diagnosed I was old enough to realize that I almost can't afford to be rebellious when it comes to it does that make sense yeah yeah and I felt as if I instantly kind of realized the severity of it and I knew I just had to kind of take action on it almost yeah. immediately. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think it's, um, you kind of, like you say, you got those years out of your system and, mm. yeah, it's, it was, it was hard, but it's one of those where I've accepted it now and, and I've also accepted that, you know, if I have any other kind of complications pop up, not that I will do, but I've accepted that, you know, my diabetes control was bad when I was younger, so it's 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 kind of you know if it does catch up on me, it is what it is. I've accepted that now, and you know as long as I'm doing all I can now to control it the best I can, and I'm eating well, I'm exercising, and I'm keeping a close eye on my glucose levels, then that's all that matters. And it's accepted. I think like with diabetes, one of the biggest things. And especially like working with people with diabetes, it's that acceptance, accepting that, right, we've got diabetes and accepting there are going to be bad days, there are going to be good days, there are going to be days completely out of our control and there are going to be days where we even question, like, you know those days where you think, has my pancreas started working again? Do you ever get yeah. those days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you're, you're crossing your fingers thinking, please make the speed, please make yeah, the speed. No, I had a day the other uh, last month, and I, honestly, I must have had like one unit of insulin all day, and that's like, and let, let's say I have a typical day of like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen units, one unit. I was like, "What's going on?" And I was like, and "My pancreas kicked in again," but it hadn't. It, it wasn't like that the day after, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I think for a lot of people with diabetes, it's that acceptance. We need to accept that you know. It is what it is. There are going to be good days. There are going to be bad days. But as long as we're doing all we can, then that's all that matters. And I accept that, obviously, when I was younger, my control wasn't great at all. But, you know, the good thing is I'm a lot more in control of it now. And, again, that's that's the main thing. But, yeah, sorry, I've kind of gone off on a tangent there. You're all right. Don't worry. <laughs> that was part one of my chat with Vanessa Haydock. As you always know, as I always say with these part two episodes, part two is out tomorrow if you are listening on the day of the release. Otherwise, part two will automatically be the next episode on our list.